0: Thank you so much everyone for joining us for how to create a culture of knowledge sharing part one of three, what is knowledge sharing and why is it important? I'm Kristen with OB. Uh, so OB is the secret weapon that helps every knowledge worker in your organization find the right answers quickly and easily all within their normal working environments. So with OB, you can empower more people across your teams to get the right answers fast. And today I'm joined by our founder and CEO, Chris Buttonham. Hey, Chris.
1: Hey, Kristen. I'm super excited to be here. This is uh, a nerdy, but fun topic for me. (laughs) And so uh, we're looking forward to uh, this three-part series.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Super excited. So just to set a quick agenda for today, we're going to be defining the cost of neglecting a a culture of knowledge sharing and really digging into exactly what knowledge sharing is at its core and why it's important. And then at the end, we're going to save some time to answer some of those burning questions. And so it's important to note that this is just part one of three. Um, This was a really difficult one for us to split up. Um, As Chris said, we kind of nerd out on this topic and it's a problem that's so near and dear to our hearts and one that's really robust and we felt that it needed to be broken out. And so today's session is going to be about building the framework to set you up to take action. And so you don't wanna miss part two, which is creating, motivating and overcoming objectives. Or objections where we're gonna dig into defining what it means to create a knowledge sharing culture, identifying and overcoming those objections to motivate knowledge sharing and how you can begin practicing within your sphere of influence to make knowledge sharing the norm.
1: Yeah, and so just to double down on what, what Kristen was saying, um, we wanted to do this all in one webinar, um, but I don't think you guys wanted to sit here for two or three hours while we go through all of it. So um, hopefully we kind of leave you on a cliffhanger with part one here. Um, you guys are the overachievers uh, um, who joined us today, but everyone will be getting a recording that signed up. Um, so you can see, you know, all three parts is a holistic uh, journey on how to create a culture of knowledge sharing, but the fundamentals are um just equally as important as um as the as the rest of it
0: i'm sorry i got a little excited there (laughs) so (laughs) let's dive in um at its core without a culture of knowledge sharing there's an erosion of time and productivity so it's one thing to have knowledge and documentation but without the culture in place it's just really not effective
1: yeah and so before the shift to remote or distributed work companies could get away with this for longer, for sure. Um, product Problems and bottlenecks are now amplified with working from home. Um, we've obviously been uh, advocates for this for quite some time. Um, but I think what we're seeing, I mean, for better or for worse, it's an opportunity that we're seeing um, to turn this problem from a nice to solve to a need to solve. And so, um, you know, with the remote work shift, we're seeing a lot more information um, being siloed um, and you're not able to do the same or communicate the same way um, uh, as you were before.
0: Right, absolutely. And so what does that look like in terms of cost? So um, according to Forbes, 50% of workers feel that the organizations they work for are being held back by a lack of transparency.
1: Yeah, so you know we're going to pull some um, some stats here, um, and it's important to quantify the problem and not to over overlook this. Um, I think at the at the core of this problem, you'll see companies who have successfully solved it lean into transparency and open communication. So you'll see people and organizations like GitLab. Um, uh, we actually had Darren Murph, who's uh, had a head of remote there on our podcast uh, last year. Um, they lean all into things like a handbook, handbook first culture, um, and they just overshare. Um, and so thinking about transparency and putting, that, putting a number to it here, like Forbes has done, is a really important way to start.
0: Right, absolutely. And um, uh, furthermore, uh, 46% of employees state that a lack of transparent communication from their leadership has driven them to seek a new job. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that employee turnover, but, um, to tie that back into that lack of transparency.
1: Yeah. And so this is, um, you know, uh, a continuation of the first point Uh, around transparency and open communication and creating culture around that Um, but I think the nuance here is it does come from leadership so Mm -hmm. managers the c-suite and we're going to talk a lot about how to intertwine that into culture but you're seeing um, obviously that in the data of how that transparency actually um, translates into um, into success within the organization
0: absolutely and then according to a study from the Society for Human Resource Management, uh, Fortune 500 companies lose on average $31.5 billion a year just by failing to share knowledge.
1: So, I mean, obviously this is a massive number. Um, this is a problem that plagues organizations of all mm-hmm. shapes and sizes, Um it's easy just to tout this number without um, backing it up and that's why we're super excited to do this webinar series we're going to talk a little bit near the end around why knowledge sharing is important um, and and you'll see i think that number break itself down um, and make a lot more sense
0: absolutely and then just a tiny bit on culture here there was a recent study by gallup that found organizations with highly engaged employees out, outperform competitors with less engaged workers by a vast margin of 147%
1: so this one this one seems super obvious but um, i actually really liked adding this statistic to um, to this presentation because we like to communicate with our customers and I see some friendly faces here today um, that knowledge sharing and creating a culture around knowledge sharing um, really can be a competitive advantage because it's not an obvious one to lean into as a competitive advantage. And um, as the, as the Gallup study shows, I think the the proof is in the pudding there. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. And so to really understand what a culture of knowledge sharing really means, um, we think it's really important to understand some key definitions. And so you're gonna hear us talk about some of this stuff throughout these three webinars. And so um, we're gonna talk about the paradigm. And so a paradigm is a way of thinking, perceiving, communicating, or viewing the world. And oftentimes you'll hear it called a worldview or a mindset. But what's really important to understand about a paradigm is that it's subconscious.
1: So we're we're peeling back the onion here, going back to fundamentals. It might feel like we're back in, in school a little bit, um, but just to just to add to what Kristen was saying, you know, we're not really aware of our own paradigms. It's rather like thinking the world is colored red, unaware that we are wearing those rose tinted lenses. Mm-hmm. So the, this definition is super important to understanding uh, creating a, of creating a culture of knowledge sharing.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to talk a little bit about organizational culture. Um, It can be thought of as a relatively rigid, tacit infrastructure of ideas that shape not only our thinking, but also our behavior and perception of our business environment. So it effectively establishes a set of guidelines by which members of an organization work and how those organizations are
1: structured. So this part is more rigid due to our paradigms. Um, We don't recognize why we do so much of what we do. And we also tend to, resist change rather than embrace it and I think that's a really important point I know that you know a lot of the organizations we speak to and I think a lot of the the folks that are here today um, are in that sort of technology and startups type vertical and we think that we really understand culture a lot Um, but we when you break that down and you look at culture and you look at cultural values within an organization i know i mean i like to speak firsthand so when we were forming our values here um i learned a a tough lesson that it's not about what you sort of want to be it's about who you are you look around the room um, and how does that manifest itself into a set of values and and into culture um and so these things while they seem um maybe a little fluffy are super important to understand at the, at the fundamental level, so that you can shape this um, and influence culture as it relates to knowledge, knowledge sharing uh, within your organization.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think it's important to kind of circle back on the point that you made about how we tend to resist change rather than embrace it. I think that's an important thing to understand when trying to promote this culture of knowledge sharing. And it's something that we're going to be speaking about again in part two. So understanding or identifying those objections and, and then how you can begin um, moving past them.
1: Yeah. And that that's a good point. I'm glad that you, you circled back on that. Um, you know, uh, this Will this webinar, this part in the webinar um, series, will be more theoretical? But to be a little bit more, or to add a tactical point, um, that's why we encourage our organizations, our customers that we're onboarding, um, regardless of technology, to think about how um, how ingrained this can be within the culture and the incentive structure within the culture, um, so that new hires, like during onboarding are seeing this as a norm Mm -hmm. um, because as Kristen mentioned, it's super hard to uh, change uh, behavior and influence that over time. So it's a really, really important point.
0: Definitely. And then I think it's really important to understand the difference between knowledge and information. So knowledge is often seen as a rich form of information, um, but this differentiation, it's not terribly helpful. So we would argue that a more useful definition of knowledge is that it's about the know-how and the know-why. And Chris has a great analogy that kind of breaks this down a little bit.
1: Okay. So I don't know if it's a good analogy, um, but let me, let me give it a try. Um, so bear with me here for a second. So I think that a good metaphor um, is a cake. So if you analyze a cake at the molecular level, it's just data. Um, And for most purposes, it's not very useful. You might not even be able to tell that it's a cake. A list of ingredients is information. More useful, an experienced cook could probably make the cake. Here, the data has been actually given context, right? The recipe though, would be knowledge, the written knowledge, call that explicit knowledge, and it tells you how to make the cake. Yet an an, an inexperienced cook, even with the recipe, might not make a good cake. Uh, A person though, with relevant knowledge, experience, and skill, knowledge in their heads, not easily written down, otherwise known as tacit knowledge, would almost certainly make an excellent cake from the recipe. Hopefully, you're starting to pick up what I'm putting down here. It is important to note that to make knowledge productive, you need information. Not knowing how to make a cake is not sufficient. You need, uh, you need the list of ingredients and to decide what cake to make. You need information like the tastes or preferences of cake eaters like myself. So know why is also important if an ingredient of the cake was unavailable, knowing the purpose of that ingredient might help a knowledgeable cook substitute an alternative. In fact, know why is often more important than know how as it allows you to be creative to fall back on principles, to reinvent your know-how. So it's like being resourceful. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that stuck. Um, but, uh, It's my favorite, so.
0: Yeah, I like it because I just really like cake as well. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And so we've mentioned a few times here tacit knowledge, Um, and it's important to understand tacit knowledge um, as opposed to formal, codified, or explicit knowledge is the kind of knowledge that's difficult to transfer to another person by means of writing it down or verbalizing it.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mentioned that in the cake analogy. The only, the only thing I have to add here um, is just a nice little fun fact. that uh, We're so obsessed with tacit knowledge. We're act, our, our company name is actually Tacit Inc. Um, and we actually only operate as OB. So we get down to the root of the problem here.
0: <laughs> Amazing. So there are many definitions of knowledge management that are circling around there, and a really common definition is the collection of processes that govern the creation, dissemination, and leveraging of knowledge to fulfill organizational objectives. But this definition is fairly inadequate because it limits knowledge management to just a set of principles, and we would say that a more useful definition is something like, knowledge management is a business philosophy. So it's an emerging set of principles, processes, organizational structures, and te- technology applications that help people share and leverage their knowledge to meet their business objectives. And so this puts focus and responsibility on the individual, so the knowledge worker, and also on the holistic nature of knowledge management as a whole.
1: Yeah, so this is, um, this is one of the most important things to understand before you can start tackling this problem, right? It's critically about meeting business objectives, which I think is the main change that Kristen uh, made here. Um, Knowledge management is not an end in itself. It's also fundamentally about sharing knowledge and putting that knowledge to use. And I like how um, Kristen you mentioned that it puts the focus on and the responsibility on the individual mm-hmm. so this is super multifaceted right because in order to cre- successfully create a, a culture around knowledge sharing you have to have the incentives in place and so that's where those business objectives and organizing those business objectives are really important so people know that it's not just a means to an end it's actually a tool used to meet those business objectives Um, and that really, I mean, can only start at the top down. It has to be embraced by leadership. Um, but then ultimately it's the individuals who carry out a lot of that, um, uh, a lot of, a lot of those tasks Mm -hmm. and that comes down to incentivizing them and ensuring that they are aligned with those objectives and the culture uh, of the organization to actually, um, make this into a successful uh, paradigm shift um and and so it's it's it might, it might be hard to understand because there's it, it seems simple uh, at face value but it's so much more than just a set of processes to follow
0: absolutely absolutely and so hopefully this, these, these definitions have kind of helped you understand what knowledge management is when you really dig into it. But I'm sure you're all wondering, why is it important? And so today, the creation and application of new knowledge is essential to the survival of almost all businesses. And there are many reasons for this, and um, some of them include intangible, intangible products. Uh, So today, ideas, processes, and information are taking a growing share of the global trade. And the only sustainable competitive advantage is continuous innovation, or in other words, the application of new knowledge.
1: Yeah, so this is where we're starting to break down that $32 billion number. I think it was from Forbes, Mm -hmm. right? And so, again, um, I think a lot of the folks who are joining us today and we'll be, and we'll be uh, listening to the recording are in the sort of technology or startup space. And uh, a lot of us are working on intangible products and software and things like that. And so, you know, ensuring that you are sharing your knowledge about the production of these products and, um, and the innovation surrounding them is the only way to push those, those innovations forward. Um, So it, it, it's a huge, huge and often overlooked component of this.
0: Absolutely. And also increasing turnover of staff. So we talked about that 46% um, that look for new jobs because they don't feel that um, there's transparency within their organization, but also people don't take a job for life anymore. And so when someone leaves an organization, their knowledge walks out the door with them.
1: So this one's funny, right? I'm sure Kristen, you can relate to this. Um a lot of the, the folks who reach out to us mm-hmm. to adopt our technology, they tout this as one of the, you know, number one problems is right. they don't want knowledge walking out the door. Um, but it's also, I think, one of the most difficult problems to solve because capturing knowledge is really difficult. And that is where a lot of, uh, again, going back to the fundamentals and creating the incentives around knowledge sharing um, uh, are really important because, and and we'll get into this in part two and part three and how technology can help. Um, it still very much is a cultural thing, and and folks need to get behind um, sharing what they know, mm-hmm. and organizations need to have the systems and processes in place to ensure that that is being captured at really critical touch points. So I know there's a lot of organizations who have the are starting to have the forethought now and doing induction interviews and exit interviews and and doing these things not just when you know at the start or an end of an employee's tenure but throughout the life cycle of of that uh that employee's uh, journey with the company so it's it's a it's one that that most people will probably resonate with but one that's probably uh amongst the most difficult to to solve
0: Right. Absolutely. And not only are organizations being threatened by that increasing turnover of staff, but also accelerating change. So, um, things change so quickly in today's landscape and as things change, our knowledge base often erodes. So in some businesses, as much as 50% of what they knew five years ago, it's probably obsolete in today's standards.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this one, like we feel this, um, everyone feels this. And I think, um, We're going to talk about overcoming objections um, in the next part of the webinar series, but this one to me relates a lot with that because a lot of people shy away from building a knowledge base or maintaining a wiki um, or even thinking about these problems because, well, things just change so often, so why do it? Right. right, and so technology can help with this, um, but uh, it's really fundamentally about creating that incentive structure um, and making sure the uh, objectives of the organization are aligned uh, with the teams and employees, so that they actually know that this is uh, it's it's worth their while to to share knowledge and, and ensure that uh, people are communicating these updates. Right, so it's not even just maintaining it, um, and that I think goes into the last point that Kristen uh, is going to make.
0: Yeah. And I just want to double tap on this one uh, again. Like, I think it's, it's extremely important um, at like the, the core of creating this culture of knowledge sharing, right? You hit the nail right on the head here. Oftentimes with this accelerating change and things changing so quickly, it is a daunting task to be able to keep a knowledge base up-to-date and accurate when things change so quickly. And that's why it's so, so, so important to kind of promote this cultural aspect of knowledge sharing, right? So it's not just one or two people who are in charge of keeping everyone's knowledge fresh, it's this um, approach where everybody has a hand and a role to play in um, keeping knowledge fresh and up-to-date, which does lead into this last point here is that um, most organizations don't know what they know. So expertise learned and applied in one part of the organization, it's not always leveraged in another. And so having that transparency, having that collaborative approach to knowledge sharing, um kind of helps with with all of this, right?
1: Yeah, th- this is huge, and we're seeing this problem be exasperated greatly by remote and distributed work. Um, you know it's it's right at the individual level, um, but organizations and leadership want to know what they know. And quite frankly, um, with the the sort of unfortunate, Uh, bleeding of silos in the organization, Slack channels and wikis and Trello boards and all of these things, um, even if that knowledge is codified and documented, it still doesn't mean that you have a really good grasp on what you know. And if you don't know what you know, then you don't know how to deploy it. And that's where um, really creating a culture around knowledge sharing can be a competitive advantage um, for, for your organization.
0: Absolutely, and now we could continue to talk about this for hours on end, um, which is why we did have to split it up into to three different parts. And so I know we're running close to the end here. So hopefully this was valuable for you guys to at least begin to understand exactly what a culture of knowledge sharing means and, and why it's important to any business kind of across the board. And so, um, we're happy to answer any questions for you guys. Um, feel free to either unmute yourself and ask away or just pop it in the chat and we'll, we'll be happy to answer.
1: Yeah. Just pop your question in the chat. We'll happy, happily, uh, reiterate it. Um, and when folks are, I should say, while folks are thinking of those burning questions, I just want to reiterate, I hope that everybody found that this, um, this valuable um like kristen said it's it, this this part is is super important to understand before we get into uh some of the more tactical and maybe more fun aspects of creating a culture around knowledge sharing but understanding the fundamentals we thought was a really really important place to start so hopefully uh it's not too much of a cliffhanger and you guys are excited for part two and part three <laughs>
0: And just to note after the, after the session today, we're going to be sending out a recording of the webinar, as well as a link to sign up for part two. So you don't have to run around trying to find it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Any questions from, from the crowd today?
0: Yeah. Hey, Chris and Kristen, I got one real quick. This is uh, Luke from Red uh, power bikes. Hey, Luke. I'm curious. Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm curious, like as we started talking about like knowledge retention, as we started sharing more knowledge, do you feel like as we're creating FAQs, it's more important to have like the quick answer in there or to have something where they might have to dig a little bit within the FAQ. Um, or can those be like one and the same and have both? I'm just curious your thoughts on that.
1: Do you want me to tackle that, Christian? Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I've got a good grasp on that. That's a great question, Luke. Thank you. Um, So the way we look at it is, it's difficult, right? You have to have the foresight of of what the tenure of that knowledge might look like. And so um, I think Luke was maybe alluding to a feature that we have um, within our product called FAQs. Um, And the reason that feature exists is because it's it's just as it sounds it's just a way to document a question and an answer basically and that format of knowledge has tended to be missing from a lot of the knowledge tools that exist out there and the reason we lean so heavily into it is because it's a format of knowledge that is it has a sort of dual-sided benefit so the knowledge seeker gets the answer really quick or what they're looking for really quick Um, the sort of knowledge manager, whoever's um, um, creating that knowledge is forced to think about really, you know, um, in depth, what is the most critical piece of information I need to put in here because we actually cap it at a thousand characters. And I think that's just indicative of the way sort of Q&A typically works is it's just more short snippets. Um, And then around the maintenance of the knowledge, uh, it's a lot easier too right? You can quickly skim them. You can see what's out of date, what's up to date. Um, um, You can organize them a lot easier. Now, the reason, you know, we integrate with knowledge tools and we have a knowledge base ourselves built in with OB is because we recognize that there is a need for some of the structured learning components of solving this problem. So sometimes you do need a longer form answer. Um, now, again, it has its caveats, right? So it's easier to maybe digest a more in-depth process or how-to, um, but it's, it's, it's more difficult and, and more work to maintain, right? And so uh, I think that's the thought exercise you have to go in when you're sort of deciding what knowledge format you want to use and what the pros and and cons are to it.
0: And I do just want to kind of also add to that a little bit um, quickly with the format of FAQs. I think like some of the things that we talked about today in terms of, and we'll talk a little bit more in the next webinar about kind of overcoming those objections, but I think with the FAQ format is it kind of eliminates some of that friction, right? It's a really frictionless way um, to to not only, you're not changing anyone's habit because they're not having to like search for the meat and potatoes of what they're looking for by having to pop into a long form uh, piece of documentation and look through this handbook for this this quick answer if they're just looking for. something quick and then it also eliminates that friction of like keeping that knowledge fresh when things are changing and accelerating change right Um, it's a lot easier to go in and and kind of manage these small bites of information opposed to this long-form content but as chris mentioned it's not always the best format for specific things and so it's kind of about understanding does this require more um, explanation or is these the short quick question answer um efficient for for its use
1: yeah yeah. Good, good, uh, good addition. Um, Dan has a question. Yeah. Um, okay. So Dan's question is, what do you think is more successful to incentivize the culture of knowledge sharing using gamification, swag incentives, or something else entirely? So from my, my perspective here, um, those things are, are great additions, but ultimately, it comes to the fundamentals and the incentive structures around that are built into the culture and the organization's objectives. So, I don't know if I mentioned it, but like I'm sure some of some of us are familiar with um, like the framework OKRs, like objectives and key results. I'm sure organizations have different ways of of doing this. But if knowledge sharing and ensuring folks have what they need to be successful is ingrained into the objectives of the organization, um, both from a sort of very top down level, right down to the team level, that's going to be way more effective than any other component that you can use. Um, but (laughs) you know, we, we have seen gamification, um, work. We know some of our customers will, um, uh, like use ob swag and send it out to uh, top knowledge managers knowledge contributors across the organization um, have you seen anything else Kristen that's that's interesting
0: yeah i mean i wanted to kind of add my my color to this question and kind of shamelessly plug part two creating motivating and overcoming <laughs> objections we actually talk quite a bit about um, how to motivate that culture of knowledge sharing and i think swag and incentives are really great like people love gamification people love that um quick gratification but i think at the very core of it it's about helping people understand why this culture of knowledge sharing is important to them and how it benefits them at a base level right like it's one thing to say like okay you do xyz and you, you get this fun little sticker or whatever people love that but when people really understand why it's important for them to do this and and how it benefits them, then it becomes the norm and it becomes that kind of paradigm, right? It becomes this subconscious thing that they're doing for the greater good of, of making their life easier, making their colleagues' life easier, um, that sort of stuff.
1: You said that way better than I did. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a great, great, great um, addition. Um, so I guess with that, thank you, everybody. We want to be respectful of everyone's time. Hopefully um, you uh, enjoyed Uh, what we had to say today we've got part two coming up I believe next week at the same time is that correct Kristen
0: yep next Tuesday same time
1: and the email that that you will receive after will have a a link to register for that as well as a a link to the recording of this um, so you can share that around uh, with folks and um, and yeah we're excited to to continue this uh, this series
0: Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for everyone for joining. Thanks for your thoughtful questions. Um, It's been, it's been great hanging with you and we're excited to do it again next week.